The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're so excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. But that's not all. Have you ever wanted to see yourself as a character in a story? Now teachers and students can create their custom game avatars and see them come to life on an augmented reality poster. To learn more about Classcraft's story mode and the new AR experience, simply visit classcraft.com. Marking, you're, you're for grade, the record. You're, marking. Yes. Marking. That's, that's Canadian <laughs> talk for grading. <laughs> All right, everybody. We are here with Angie Kaltoff. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. So, uh, Angie, there might be people listening uh, who don't know who you are or what you do. So why don't you give us the Angie Kaltoff 101? Yeah. So um, I am a program manager for the Early Childhood Technology Graduate Certificate course at Tufts University. And I work with any adult who is interested in learning about early childhood technologies. Yes. Thinking about pedagogy, um, software and hardware, how to analyze them and decide what's right for your classroom. Thinking about your learning environment, both in person, physically, and online. Mm -hmm. And then students in our program do that online in the fall and spring, and then they get to come hang out with me for a week in the summer at our campus in Boston. Early childhood technology is my thing right now. Like, I'm immersed in it. Um, We, uh, for my day job, I work for a robotics company, and K-2 coding is, like, where it's at for me right now. In fact, um, one of the companies we deal with, Metatalab, I'm writing books for them. We just, I just got back from China, like, a week and a half ago, and we signed a huge contract to write curriculum. I followed that on Twitter. It's so exciting. (laughs) Um, So, like, I live K-2 coding right now um, very, very immensely, immensely, very deeply. Yeah. So when you're working with these, are these soon-to-be teachers, or are they already teachers and doing graduate studies? Who are we talking so about? So this is a graduate-level program. Yes. So they have to have an undergraduate degree, but it could be a teacher, or it could be a museum educator, mm-hmm. or a librarian, makerspace teacher, a grandparent who wants to better understand how to play with their grandkids. That's awesome. Yeah. So really, any adult who's interested in early childhood technology. Awesome. And so how many different courses are you or is it is it a specific course or are you doing a course load that you teach yes so it's a one-year blended program so it's online in the fall and spring and then just one week in person in boston in the summer in july typically the best time to be there i was gonna say (laughs) boston in july sounds pretty sweet yeah so that can't be bad at all it's actually a little better than minnesota right now with (laughs) i mean we're getting rain but it's about 30 40 degrees in boston and I got off the plane this morning and could see my breath as I walked uh, off the airplane. Welcome so, home. Yeah, yes. welcome home. It feels good to be home. <laughs> We're glad to have you back. Thank you. <laughs> yes, we missed you, for sure. So this is, you've been to this conference a lot. Like, this yes. used to be the conference you go, when, like Glenn, right? Yeah, so I came, the very first time I was here, I was right. an English language teacher presenting on how I was using iPod Touches. Wow. Yeah, because we didn't even have iPads at that time. Yes. It was the iPod Touch to help with pre-literacy skills in my kindergarten classroom. That was my first time here. I think it was 2011. Ooh. Yeah. That's amazing. That's crazy. And every single time uh, that I came to a Ties conference, 
I could expect to see your name on like 42,000 sessions because you would do pre-conference sessions, you would do workshops, and then a ton of other sessions, including poster sessions. You would be busy all, back in the day, it was three days, but you would be busy all three other days. Yeah. So what, what are you doing this time around? So this time I'm actually just doing two sessions, a poster session on early childhood technology and a playground session on elementary robotics. Awesome. So um, a, a friend of mine, Diana Fenton, who works at St. Ben's, her and I did some research together and um, a project bringing her pre-service teachers into elementary classrooms, and they planned lessons with robotics and computer science in mind. And so we captured that data and collected all of our lesson plans on a website. So we want to share that with everyone. This seems like the day, things that <laughs> <laughs> Mike needs to go to this session and then he well, can use this, this data to be able to go ahead and, and speak on you know, the research behind yeah. why this is actually not just a cool tool, but something much more significant. So this is why I made the move to Tufts in Boston, because I've seen the impact in the classroom with students, and I've had the many opportunities to facilitate learning with teachers, and I see the need to help more people understand why and how. So 100%. when I got the opportunity to walk, work with Dr. Marina Bears out at Tufts in this role, I... I made that big leap and decided to try it. And you know what's funny, uh, to be honest, a lot of the robotics manufacturers want to dig deeper into that why too. Like they know the anecdotal evidence. Like they see the pic, you can Twitter and the pictures and the social media and the video. That's great. I mean, those are awesome and it's, it's great promotion and it's great advertising, but um, it's time for us to really start digging down a little deeper and, and, and um, instead of just saying that we know that educational robotics engages kids, talk about it uh, at a more academic level. And so I think that you'll find, um, and we should actually talk about this offline a little bit, um, that the robotics manufacturers would be really open to working with people like Tufts on studies, on, on actual research programs, because they want that evidence as much as anyone. Um, it helps them. Right? So, so what, one of the things that really drew me into this position is the DevTech Research Lab that's at Tufts that Marina um, is the director of developed a robot called Kibo, and now it's available through Kinderlab Robotics. Mm. But it was started as a research project to mm -hmm. see at that early childhood age if kids could understand coding. And so this robot, it's a wooden robot and has wooden blocks that kids put together and then they scan the barcode in mm -hmm. order to program the robot. So there's a lot of research on the DevTech website about early childhood coding and robotics. Mm. And we really, we talk about computational thinking. And then there's also some free curriculum on the website for coding as a literacy. So for Scratch Junior, which is the software that was created at Tufts and with MIT in that partnership, um, there's a um, Kibo and Scratch Junior software for free. They're 12 one-hour lessons, and mm. they talk about coding as a literacy. And the first few lessons really just introduce concepts like the engineering design process, what robots are, who engineers are at a developmentally appropriate age. So switching gears here, we were just speaking offline about grading. Yeah. Um, 
specifically possibly about how marking your, your for the record your, marking yes marking that's that's Canadian <laughs> talk for grading uh, <laughs> anyway um, so tell us about kind yeah. of w- what you're what you're doing how it's different okay so in Boston actually I live in Medford so Boston is what people know but I live about a mile and a half from campus so I walk to work mm. or take the bus if it's really cold but I listen to the podcast, okay. and I know that there's a lot of discussion around grading. Yes, so there is. I'm, I also teach at the University of Minnesota in the technology integration class, and uh, my grading philosophy has really evolved over time through many conversations with peers, so I can't take all the credit for what I've been thinking about, but um, what I do in my class, I have seven different, seven units, and they get all released at the beginning of the class so people can work through at their own pace. Mm. But I have deadlines because they're also, students need to look at other people's work and comment on it back and forth. Yes. And I have rubrics that help under, help people understand what I'm expecting, but it doesn't tell you exactly what to do, which is really hard. The first two units, I get emails like, just tell me what you want. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but then by the end, like right now, I'm starting to get my comments back in. Mm. And I'm getting comments from students because they're, they're seeing that one, com- one comment was that uh, they can see I really value the learning process and not just the final outcome. Wow. Because you can turn in your assignment as many times as you want to get the grade you want if you're continually improving it based on my feedback. Mm-hmm. And while I have deadlines, I separate a late assignment from your grade. So you can get a five out of five because you met all of the areas even if you turn something in two weeks late i have a separate area called professionalism sure so at the college level i feel like you do need to have some professionalism so if it's going to be late and you reach out to me and we set up a plan i'm going to treat that different than if i've been emailing you for a month saying hey where's your work <laughs> um so I've that's been, dead on too like yeah. that's the way the world works i mean you won't get fired for doing lay work, but it reflects poorly on your professionalism. Right. Right. You won't. I mean, you may get fired after continuously doing work and not getting it done on time. But I mean, um, but your professionalism is what's really at stake in yeah. doing things on time. And that's exactly the way any job generally works as well. Yeah. That's awesome. So this class is all for pre-service teachers. So I just I hope through the experience with me they can take this away and bring it into their future classrooms and just remember how it felt to be in that situation and still honored for their work, but being able to separate what you know from your professionalism. That's, I mean, that's the biggest conversation right now. Um, and it's the one that is, I, I feel like there's this dread around the conversation about grading. Um, we had a in-service day and honestly we didn't even write the word grading on the discussion that was going to be had between our our teachers we just talked about what do you think on a scale of this way to this way how would you judge this you know kind of and it was all really leading in the direction of standards-based grading you know Mm -hmm. kind of like at least the discussion as soon as people started seeing those things and they knew oh this is something about how I evaluate kids. <laughs> there was hands raising. People were in panic, sweating. <laughs> Are you, what's this going to mean for us? And that's just a group of like 100 teachers sitting in a room. I think that that actually is reflective of how people 
generally feel about this discussion. Because it's scary to people to change and to, and for them to be, for them to have to reevaluate kind of what they've done. Like what Mike is talking about, you step away from the classroom, you can be more reflective. When you're in the classroom, can you make that change and be like, especially on such a huge topic? And that's why it's so important. Maybe you start already from the beginning, already thinking about those things versus just going, well, this is the traditional way of grading and this is how I'm going to go about doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's there's a book I'm, I just finished reading. I'm doing a book club for. It's called Practical Pedagogies by Mike Sharples at the Open University. Hmm. And in it's I think it's 40 different topics. They're each just two, three, four pages, but full of research. And as I am reading it, I find myself going, oh, I do that. Yes, yes to that. But I didn't know that that's what it was called or that's what the research was. So it's a great book if you're, if you're looking to think deeper or have more research-based discussions. But one of them is on assessment. And he writes about, instead of calling it assessment, calling it responsive teaching. Mm. And I feel like that's what I do in my class. We're definitely going to dig more into this because... It's a huge discussion. A lot of teachers that are listening are wondering, kind of like, okay, so what do I do? Do you know what I mean? Like, so what should I be looking at as far as my own practices and how should I change them? So we'll have to have you back. Yeah, another sure. resource they can look at. So yes. I'm also a Circle educator. Okay. So Circle is funded by a National Science Foundation grant through the Circle Center. And as a Circle and uh, circle educator I get to look at research and then write about it yeah and so this book club we're doing is also turning into blog posts and mini um, video recordings zoom recordings and then we're going to interview Mike in January so they can mm. go to circleeducators.org to find some more that's awesome that's awesome fantastic how can people connect with you learn more about you even um, plug the website for Tufts like okay. tell everybody uh, about where to go so to learn more about the program I work with at Tufts, the Early Childhood Technology Blended Program, it's a one-year program, go to go.tufts.edu slash ECT. You can also find me on Twitter at Mrs. Kultoff. Awesome. There you go. So awesome to have you again. Yay. Yes. Thank you, Angie Kultoff. We should also say, okay. you should talk about last year. Bring up how we, we were doing this last oh, yes. year, but how it's different. <laughs> so... The whole setup, I mean, we have uh, it's a, an amazing setup here uh, this year. But Angie and I actually did our interview last year in a hallway, a little bit behind us that way, I think. Yeah. Uh, sitting on the floor, I think. Yeah, we did. Yeah. In the room. Yeah. And sitting on the floor in the room after the pre-conference session with my phone and a little microphone <laughs> on the phone. And now we have these headsets and these microphones and these fancy equipment. So it's it's a whole and new world. Little, and, and these signs everywhere. And do you know what? What's up? I'm pretty sure that was right around Computer Science Education Week, and I was talking about Marina Bears and Amanda Sullivan. You were. And now that, that's who I work with. That's crazy. Yeah. That's full circle. That is full circle. Uh, that's amazing. Yes. Awesome. Great to have you on. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. 
You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.